Well, good evening. It's wonderful to uh, be here with you all this evening. Thank you so much for the uh, the opportunity to come and, and share uh, a bit with you. And I do bring greetings from uh, Odeby Evangelical uh, Church down the road. And uh, and, it, and it was wonderful to hear that Mike Stringer's been here uh, recent evenings. And uh, and it's a yeah, delight to uh, to join in with that this evening and uh, in, in our partnership together uh, in the gospel. And also just to bring greetings as well from, from UFM and uh um, I'm really thrilled to be able to share with you a little bit more about UFM and, and really appreciate your, your prayers for, uh, for us as an organization, but, but even more so for, for the different mission partners that you are partnering with in different places uh, around the world. I've got just a few uh, slides to kind of uh, stick up to share a little bit more about uh, UFM and uh, our, our kind of sort of strap line, if you will, to describe who we are and what we do uh, is to say that we are all about supporting churches in making disciples of all nations. And so, of course, that, that's looking to what Jesus said before he ascended uh, to heaven when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So he's called us to do that. And uh, so as the Lord raises up workers uh, for, for different places around the world in, in local churches, uh, we then come alongside local churches to help in, in sending and supporting those workers and what God has called them to do in different nations uh, around the world. Uh, really, our workers are involved in kind of uh, two kind of ministries, if you want to divide it up in that way. One is taking the gospel to the least reached. So there's some who are involved in kind of pioneering mission work, going to those places around the world that have little to no access uh, to the gospel and there are others who are, who are working in what we would kind of say supporting under-resourced churches, going to places where, where there are believers, but they need uh, help. And uh, they're there equipping uh, local churches and local believers uh, in those areas. I think I've got another slide to just stick up, which shows you the kind of spread of, of different mission uh, workers across UFM. And, uh, and UFM is primarily, it's been, it's been uh, UK-based, sending workers from, from the UK to other different places around the world. But more recently, uh, there have been a growing number in other uh, nations as well. And this kind of gives you the idea of, of the sort of bigger picture and also who has uh, joined uh, in, in recent times. And so it's been really thrilling. You know, Jesus said to uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And, and even during COVID, God has been doing that. He's been raising up workers uh, to be sent to different parts of the world. And it's been wonderful to be able to come alongside uh, those churches as they send and those uh, mission workers as they're going to different places uh, around the world. Um, but I, what I thought I would do, actually, though, is, is, to, is to share some specific prayer points uh, from three different places around the world. It's, it's one thing to just talk in a general way about mission workers going to different places, but it's another thing entirely to say, well, these are specific places and specific people that we have an interest in, that we're partnering with in the gospel, and we want to see uh, Christ magnified in those places around uh, the world. So I think I've got uh, three uh, different countries to, to stick up there, or three different parts of the world, and I'll just share those with you. Uh, uh, and then we'll pray about those things uh, together. Well, the, the first one uh, here is to just think about uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, I believe this church has, has a connection with some folks in Eastern Europe. So it's great to see uh, Andy and Natasha uh, as well here, here this evening. And uh, so do, do be uh, praying for them and Tatiana also uh, as they prepare to return not too long uh, from now. I sent Andy just a quick text this afternoon and saying, you know, looking forward to going to, to Hollywell. Is there anything we could be praying for you this evening? And a little bit that I know they would actually uh, be here this evening, but they, they sense uh, some, some prayer points and uh, I'll just share exactly uh, what Andy said on this text to me. 
uh, to pray for a good transition back to Eastern Europe in early October. Pray for Natasha as she uh, settles into her new online school starting tomorrow. So we pray for Natasha in that. Pray for wisdom and guidance as to which areas of ministry to focus on this year ahead. So let's be praying for those uh, prayer points uh, this evening as we as we pray for them and the work God has called them to uh, in Eastern Europe. And there's far more that could be said, uh, but but speak to them yourself and uh, you'll, you'll find out more uh, in, in person. I'm sure Andy would be more than happy to to share that with you. Uh, another person uh, I've been in touch with was in was in Thailand and they got in contact with me uh, this afternoon. And it's uh, Johnny and Anne McLean. And there's I know, I know some of you know them and pray for them. It's good to see and uh, Father here this evening. So let's be praying for for the Lord's work in Thailand. Uh, Anne wrote this afternoon saying the COVID situation here is still serious. Uh, They're grateful for some of the easing of restrictions like parks and reopening for exercise. But then she said, but school and church is still online for the foreseeable future. And so Anne writes, pray for good connections with students that she's working with in in a local uh, school there. So connecting online and also pray for uh, church members and pastors who are going along to the Langham preaching groups that Johnny is doing. He's there equipping uh, pastors and others who are who are preaching. So um, so connecting online in different ways, as well as uh, in person where they're able to. And also that she asked for us to pray for the poorer communities in Bangkok who are suffering greatly with lost jobs, lost education. You know, there are people who don't have online access to schooling, and there's many, many COVID cases in those communities. But she's talked about there, there's an opportunity that the church that they're part of has taken hold of, which is uh, taking food parcels weekly to those who are in greatest need. So she asked us to pray for that gospel opportunity as they take food to those places. And also there, if you may have seen on the news, there's, there's some massive protests that are taking place uh, recently in Thailand. So she's also asked us to pray for peaceful solutions to that. And we'll pray about one more part of the world, and that is uh, Afghanistan. I'm sure that's been in your uh, thoughts and in your prayers in recent days. And um, and there's there's yeah there's so much we could be praying about there. But we'll, I would ask uh, for for you to to pray for some UFM workers who are in a, a neighboring country uh, at the moment. There's a flood of, of Afghan refugees going uh, all, all over the place. But there's one country in particular where there's a, quite a number of refugees going in there. And there's some UFM workers who are partnering with uh, with, with a handful of, of local churches and some Afghan believers who are coming alongside those refugees who are coming into the country, uh, going into the camps that they are going to be part of, and uh, obviously bringing aid and help in any way that they can. Uh, but they're doing so in a way that's honoring uh, Christ and, and doing so openly uh, as believers. So pray Pray for gospel opportunities uh, in the midst of that. So shall we do that together? Let, let's take a moment. And let's, let's pray for these different parts of the world. What a privilege we have uh, to, to participate in God's work around the world through praying. Let's pray. Well, thank you so much for what your word uh, says to us about your sovereignty over all of uh, the world. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus does have all authority in heaven and on earth. Lord, we thank you that he is aware of each one of these situations that we have just mentioned. And he is not just aware of that. He is uh, at work in each one of those situations as well. And Lord, we do want to see his, his glory made known all over the world. 
Well, thank you so much for um, the fact that Jesus is not only sovereign over all the nations. Lord, we thank you that he is also the savior of the world as well. Lord, we say you, we see your great love for the world in his uh, death for us on the cross. And Lord, how we look forward to the day when we will be joined with brothers and sisters from every tribe, tongue and nation uh, worshiping you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. Uh, to, to not only look forward to that day, but also to, to look around us at what you're doing around the world today as the gospel is proclaimed, as, as Christ is embraced as Savior and Lord. And we pray that your, your work would continue to grow around the world. We do pray um, for those uh, particular places that we've just thought about. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much for, for Andy and for Tatiana and Natasha Lord, thank you so much for the ways in which you have used them to uh, to equip so many in the country that you have called them uh, to serve in. Lord, thank you for this recent time of, of rest back here in the UK. And we pray for them as they as they prepare and think and think and pray towards returning in early October. Lord, I pray that you would be preparing their hearts Lord, as they look forward to this, um, the ministry ahead of them, Lord, I pray that you would give them a wisdom, that you would guide them as to what areas of ministry that you would have them to focus on uh, in the days ahead. Lord, we know that there are so many opportunities that are there. And Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, much clarity as to what to say a yes to and what to say no to. Lord, I pray that you would give them uh, much wisdom as they go about serving you. Lord, I pray that as they serve you, that they would do so in the strength that you supply. Lord, we do pray for Natasha as she uh, takes part and, and begins in this new online school tomorrow. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help her in that time of transition and, uh, Lord, that she would uh, be able to get to grips with, with the way in which uh, that is happening and that would be a, a real blessing uh, to her. Lord, we thank you so much for what you are doing uh, in Thailand, Lord, we thank you for how your work is continuing on there in spite of the, the hardships that are being faced at the moment. Lord, we think of, of those who were mentioned, uh, those poorer communities in Bangkok who are suffering greatly. Lord, but Lord, we thank you for how your church is reaching out to them. Lord, how they are, are bringing these, these meals to those who are in need there. Lord, as they are do, bringing these meals, Lord, we thank you for the, also the offer of, of the bread of life. And uh, Lord, we pray that Christ would be uh, made known through through these uh, food parcels that are being delivered and that people would come to embrace Jesus uh, as their own Savior and Lord. Lord, we pray for 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 both Anne and for Johnny as they as they prayerfully uh, think through how to best engage uh, with, with the students that they are engaging with, as well as those that Johnny is, is training with uh, with Langham in preaching. And Lord, I pray that you would really use them to encourage and equip your people there for the works of service that you have called them to. And Lord, we also pray for uh, the, the, the political situation there with all these protests taking place. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign uh, over that as well. We do pray for a peaceful resolution uh, to all of that. And Lord, uh, our hearts are, are still heavy for um uh, for those who are in the country of Afghanistan and those who have uh, fled to other places. And Lord, we do pray uh, for, for these particular UFM workers who are serving in a n- neighboring country. 
Lord, as they're organizing efforts to to come alongside Afghan refugees, alongside uh, other believers in that country. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give them much wisdom in how to best go about this. And Lord, I pray that your grace would be uh, known both in their their actions as they show uh, kindness to those who are arriving and care for their physical needs. But once again, we also pray uh, that the grace of God revealed in the gospel uh, would, would be seen as, as Christ is, is shared through what they say as well. So we commit that situation to you, praying that you would be honored and glorified there too. Lord, now as we open your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you'd help us not only to be hearers of your word, but doers also. If we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to spend the rest of uh, this evening together in Colossians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible nearby, uh, do turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. And uh, there we will be considering um, what we're going to call the global impact of prayer. The global impact of prayer. So I'll just read Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. I'll be reading out of the ESV. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Amen. Well, in 1806, uh, in, 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 over in the United States at Williams College, there was a student named Samuel Mills who had a growing burden for places around the world where Christ had not yet been proclaimed. Uh, there was mission was happening in various ways uh, around him, but, but he was noticing that a lot of it, most of it, was was to uh, other parts of of the U.S. rather than other parts of the world, and he was really burdened about that. And he began to pray that the Lord would raise up people to go to other nations. And you can read about how there was uh, one particular August day when Samuel Mills gathered a, a group of students together uh, and he invited them to pray with him for the cause of global mission. And some say as they gathered together uh, outside, there was a, there was a thunderstorm that hit. And rather than saying, well, well it's too bad. It's, it's raining now. We're going to go back inside. They decided they were going to continue to pray, but they needed to seek shelter. So they sought shelter under a haystack. I think I've got a, a haystack like they would have sought shelter under uh, to stick up uh, there. And so they gathered together under this haystack and, uh, and they sort of crouched down uh, together with one another and they began to, to pray. And they were having you know, really close fellowship, as you could see. And, uh, but as they were praying, the Lord really stirred in their hearts uh, what he had written about in his word about his plan for all the nations. And that was a really kind of pivotal moment for them under that haystack as they prayed for God to be glorified among all the nations. 
And what became, what was just a one-off kind of prayer meeting began, uh, they began to then gather weekly for what then became known as the Haystack prayer meetings. So they gathered together with other students, uh, to, to pray for the cause of global mission. And you can kind of trace back to there out of that group of students who were then praying together for global mission. Uh, there were several of them who ended up going to other parts of the world. And through those who were then going to other parts of the world, other kind of mission agencies ended up being established, but all of it was traced back to people who took the call seriously to pray for God's work around the world. So I've got a a little quote here to stick up from Samuel Zwimmer. He was one of the early uh, pioneer missionaries to the Muslim world in the kind of late 19th century uh, or early 20th century. He said, the history of missions is the history of answered prayer. And then he went on to give examples, such as the Haystack prayer meeting and those others that we could get into. But this evening, I want us to really consider the, the global impact of prayer. If, if you turn back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 6, the, uh, the book of Colossians opens uh, with, with Paul telling the church about how he's been praying for them. He tells them what he's been praying for them. But he, but he also speaks about the global impact of the gospel in verse 6. He talks about how the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing around the world. And that, that was taking place in Colossae as well. Because I say that the gospel is continuing to uh, increase and bear fruit around the world today. God is doing this amazing work and he invites us to participate in what he is doing around the world. And one of the ways we can do that is through prayer. And we see that in Colossians chapter four, because what he begins, he begins by saying that he's praying for them in light of what God is doing around the world. But he ends the book in in Colossians chapter four before he goes on uh, to the kind of list of greetings that are there by calling on them to be praying for other parts of the world themselves. So let's walk through Colossians chapter four, verses two to six together and see what it looks like to prayerfully participate in the mission of God. The way we're going to look at Colossians 4, 2 to 6 is by just asking three application questions. Okay, so that's how we're going to walk through it together, asking these three questions of ourselves in light of what God's word says here. And the first question is this. Are you praying? Are you praying? You you see that in verse uh, two. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. If we are going to be effectively engaging in global mission through prayer, we must first be praying in the first place, to state the obvious there. So he, so he calls them to pray before he then instructs them to pray for uh, mission. So we need to deal with this first. So how are we to be praying? Well, let, let's take this one word at a time here. So as we're praying, we're to be praying steadfastly. That's the first way he describes it there. So continue steadfastly, he says there, in prayer. So prayer isn't just something that we will continue on with without any thought given to it. The call to remain steadfast in prayer implies that there is a strong pull in the other direction. In other words, if... if If we let prayer slide, that's exactly what's going to happen. If we are not deliberately giving attention to our prayer life, uh, it will be put on the side. It can be a real struggle. It takes perseverance. 
It's interesting that Paul goes on to use this same language to describe Epaphras' prayer for the church. You may remember that Paul wasn't the founder of this church. It was a man called Epaphras who first brought the gospel to the Colossians. But here's what he says about Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, if you read on in the chapter. He says, Epaphras, who was one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. Always, notice this word, struggling on your behalf. How is he struggling on their behalf? In his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So Epaphras was struggling. He was working hard for them. Well, how was he struggling? How was he working hard? What was his labor? It was prayer. I don't know about you, but I do find prayer to be work. It's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? It's not easy. So it's good to see that the language of struggle is used here. So, so I know I'm not the only one that finds that to be a case. Prayer is hard work. So we must pray steadfastly. But also notice what it says next. It calls us to pray attentively as we continue steadfastly in prayer. We should do so being watchful. Uh, The word watchful carries the idea of staying awake. It's helpful to stay awake when you pray. Good advice there. I I remember um, when I was in in Bible college, it was it was connected to a church uh, in the U.S. And uh, that church decided they were going to have a 24 hour prayer meeting. And uh, and so me and, and some other students, you know, we were we were especially spiritual, you know, really, really mature. And uh, we decided we were going to take one of the early hours of the morning in our praying. So we decided to take like three o'clock in the morning or something like that. And so me and these other guys, we, it, it all took place in the church building. So we went to this church building and they had you sign up for an hour and, 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 and each 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 group goes in at the different hours. And so at three a.m. I went in with with big dreams about praying. And uh, you can imagine what happens next. It, dreaming was just about all I did. I, I kind of, I knelt down with big dreams. You know, I was, I was ready to pray and I was in for the shock of my life when, when, when a guy came and tapped me on the shoulder that I came with, jolted up asleep you know, or, or awake that time. I had, I had big ideas, but it didn't crystallize uh, in the end. I wasn't watchful. So I have some sympathy with the disciples. You know, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, it uses the same uh, word used here in Colossians 4. When Jesus told them to do what? He told them to watch and pray. But then when he came back, what did he find them doing? They were fast asleep, weren't they? But Paul's saying something more here than just don't fall asleep. It carries the idea of staying alert, being attentive. Paying attention. I doubt any of you would disagree uh, with, with the statement that we live in a, in a distracted age. Social media accounts and notifications on, you know, on our, smart, our smartphones, you know, they, they keep us coming back time and time again. And in the midst of all this interconnectivity, it's possible to neglect quality time with the activities or more importantly, the people that are uh, more important, those who matter to us most. We get distracted by these other things. And I'm sure this is true when it comes to our prayer lives, our relationship with God. You know, He is the one who is most important. He's the, He's the King of all the universe and He invites us to spend time with Him. He's, He's opened up the way through Christ. 
And yet so often we can just let our minds wander off into other distractions and give little thought to him and even less time in prayer. But here we see, I think the the more attentive that we are to the Lord and what he is doing, the more we will be motivated to pray as we ought. You know, if if you look back to that prayer, and we won't take time to go through it all, in chapter 1, you'll see that that Paul had an an awareness of of God's grace and and, and the gospel. He was attentive to that, and and he was attentive to how it was bearing fruit in other parts of the world, and he was attentive to the way that God's grace was at work in the life of the church at Colossae, and that fueled his prayers for them. Attentiveness to the Lord and his grace and what he's doing will fuel our prayers and fill them with the word that comes next. Here we see that we are also to pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. You see, when you're given a gift, what's the most appropriate response to be given a gift? Well, it's it's gratitude, isn't it? If we are alert to the grace of God, then what ought to be our response? What will be our response? Thanksgiving. Gratitude. You know, Colossians is a book that is full of gratitude. You know, it calls our attention to the grace of God revealed uh, in Jesus. It shows us his supremacy and his sufficiency and the way he is, he is at work in the lives of his people. And it should cause us to give thanks when we see that. And so Paul in Colossians 1-3 is giving thanks for God's saving work there in Colossae. In chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul prays that the church would uh, be full of thanksgiving for what God had done in their lives through the gospel. And he goes on to say in chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7 that if their lives are rooted in Christ and if they are growing in him, then that will be seen in the fact that they will be abounding in thanksgiving. So they're not just ticking a box, you know, giving thanks because it's the right thing to do. They will abound. They will overflow in thanksgiving when they're rooted in Christ and growing in him. So thanksgiving is part of this new life that we have been given in Jesus, and it should permeate all that we do. So is it any wonder when we get to chapter 4 and verse 2, when prayer in particular is addressed, he says to pray with thanksgiving. Because that is where we express our thankfulness to the Lord. And you know, just before we move on, that, that word thanksgiving shows us that while, yes, prayer can be difficult, it is also a delight. Why is that? Well, because prayer isn't rooted in guilt. It is rooted in grace. You know, prayer, prayer is, 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 a, is a fruit that demonstrates the faithfulness of God who is at work in our lives through Christ. And so it wells up in thanksgiving. So Paul isn't kind of sort of beating the church up, you know, telling them, you know, trying to make them feel guilty for not praying as much as they ought to, but rather he's, he's stirring up this gratitude in their hearts that they might be aware of God's grace and praying in light of what he is doing. And you know, Paul knew this at work in his own heart and life as well. You know, you look in chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul talks about his struggle for the church. And he says, here's how he is he's struggling. Here's how he's staying steadfast in his struggle for them. 
Colossians 1.29, For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. So the gospel gives us access to the Lord in prayer, but also that it's in the gospel that we find where we can have the energy to pray as we ought. God is the one who enables us to pray with steadfastness, with attentiveness, with thanksgiving. So are we praying? Well, if we're praying, the second question is, are you and I praying for mission? Are we praying for mission? So verse 3, Paul says, as they're praying, at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So having instructed the church to pray, he then says, as you are praying, remember us in your prayers too. So, Though the church was not with Paul, they could participate in what was what God was doing in and through him where he was. You know, Paul says in chapter one, I've been praying for you. And Paul is praying expectantly that as he prays, that is part of the work that God is doing in them. God is going to use his prayers to grow his uh, people, uh, to grow God's people there in Colossae. And Paul's now saying, and I want you to be praying for what God is doing here. And they should be praying with the full expectation that God is going to use their prayers and what he is doing where Paul is imprisoned. You know, one of the things that's marked the pandemic has been travel restrictions, isn't it? There's been uh, endless restrictions, and sometimes they've been quite confusing. There's been local travel restrictions. There's been international travel restrictions. But all the way through the pandemic and up to this point right now, there hasn't been a single place in the world that our prayers have restricted access to because God is at work all around the world. And when we pray, we can be involved in his work in any part of the world, even those places uh, that would not want us to be there, even places that would not allow you to go and proclaim Christ. You can pray knowing that God will use your prayers in what he is doing in that place. We see this. Paul is expecting that God will use the prayers of his people in places they have never been to before among people they have never met before it's like what he said to the church in rome in romans 15 verse 30 he says strive together with me it's like they're on the team right there on the ground strive together with me in your prayers to god for me he says so prayer is a real meaningful part of the lord's work and it's something that we should take incredibly seriously it's a wonderful privilege so when we pray for mission what should we pray for? Well, a couple of things here from the text. One is we should pray for gospel partners. As we pray for mission, we're praying for gospel partners. So praying for our gospel partners is a key part of getting involved in what is God is doing in those places where they are serving. So Paul says pray for us. Now, he doesn't mention his, his particular personal needs there in that verse, but it's not because his personal needs are not important. If you go to verse 8, you see that he has sent along Tychicus, who will fill them in on the details of how he is doing, as well as some of the details of what they are doing. 
We've got another detail of how Paul is doing at the in the very last verse of, of Colossians where he says, remember my chains. So here we have an example of a specific church praying for a specific person in a specific set of circumstances. And they had this mutual connection in uh, Epaphras and this personal report from Tychicus. So there's a relationship there with a gospel partner, we might say. You know, most of us won't get to know hundreds of missionaries scattered in, in different places uh, around the world, but all of us can get to know a few. And we can uh, get to know them well. And we can pray for them on a regular basis. Could I ask you, who is that for you? I don't just mean the sort of collective you. I mean you personally. Who are you partnering with in your prayers? So let's be, let's all be praying for gospel partners. And just a sidebar here, by the way. As we're praying for our gospel partners, let's also remember those places and people groups around the world where there are not gospel partners to pray for. You know, there are over 3 billion people today who are living in places around the world where there isn't a, a local church for them to go to. There aren't local people who are there sharing the gospel in their own language. And how, how are we to respond to that? What did Jesus say? Luke 10 two, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest. So pray for gospel partners to be sent to those places. So pray for your gospel partners. But as you do so, secondly, pray for gospel proclamation. Pray for gospel proclamation. That's the main thing that Paul wants them to pray for here. He's wanting them to pray that the mystery of Christ would be revealed. He wants them to pray that the message of salvation in Jesus would be made known. He wants the gospel to be declared. The proclamation of the gospel is at the heart of what God is doing in the world today. It's what his mission is all about. Now, there are lots of good things that happen on mission, lots of different ways in which people uh, go about making Christ known, but it's all about pointing to the message of the gospel and making it clear by declaring the message of the gospel. When the gospel is proclaimed, people aren't just helped in this life. They are helped for uh, eternity. They're saved for eternity. You know, there's two gospel openings that Paul wants the church to pray for. He wants them to, to pray for an open door, he says in verse 3. You remember, Paul is in prison. Now, if you were in prison, what would you want people to pray for? <laughs> Please pray for an open door. But isn't it interesting that the open door that Paul is asking the church to pray for is an open door for the gospel? It's not to say that it would be wrong for them to pray that he would be released. I mean, you've got an example of that in Acts chapter 12 when the church prays for Peter and God literally opens the door of the prison and he's out. So that's great to pray for things like that. But there's something even greater. Pray for an open door for the gospel. You know, Paul said about his imprisonment in Philippians 1.12, he said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. You know, personal obstacles and gospel opportunities are not mutually exclusive. What might look like a closed door can actually be an open door for gospel ministry. You know, mission can be hard, and there's some places around the world that it is incredibly difficult to be serving there. And there, there are plenty of closed doors, but even in those really tough situation, situations, 
we can pray for an open door for the gospel. But as we pray for an open door, we should also pray for an open mouth. That's another opening Paul wants the church to pray for. He wants to declare. He wants to make it clear. He wants to speak of Christ where he's at. So as we pray for our gospel partners and gospel proclamation, let's pray that they would be courageous in proclaiming the gospel and clear in proclaiming the gospel as well. Ephesians 6.19, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, Pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That was why Paul was in prison in the first place. But he doesn't want to shrink back from declaring Christ. And he's declaring Christ to people from all different cultural backgrounds, different walks of life to himself. So he wants to be clear in how he proclaims the gospel to them as well. He wants the Lord's help in making the gospel plain. So pray that your mission partners would be courageous and clear in the proclamation of the gospel. You know, missionaries are great, but they're made of the same stuff as you and I. Are you ever timid? Do you ever shrink back from sharing the gospel with others? Do you ever find yourself hesitating? Well, the same is true for all of us. But as we saw in Acts chapter 4, when the church prayed for boldness there, that the Lord was delighted to answer their prayers for boldness. And he'll be delighted to answer our prayers as well as we pray for those we are partnering with uh, in the gospel. But here we see that the power of the gospel is unleashed through the prayers of God's people. I'm so encouraged uh, to read the different missionary biographies. And uh, one, well, there's one in particular uh, that I really like is, is about James Fraser. He was working among the Lisu people in, in southern China and God did a, a great work there. But you can read about not only what he was doing, but what he was encouraging people to, to do back, uh, back home, back where he was sent from. And uh, there were some who were gathered together who were praying for him and the Lisu people on a regular basis. And here's what he wrote to them one time when he's asking for them to pray. He wrote to them saying, I am not asking you to give help in prayer as a sort of sideline but I am trying to roll the main responsibility of this prayer warfare on you. I want you to take the burden of these people on your shoulders. I want you to wrestle with God for them. You can go on to read then about how God did an amazing work among the Lisu people as people repented and put their faith in Christ. I've got no doubt about it that the prayers of God's people were a key part of that. I don't know how God is going to use your prayers, but I do know that he will use them as part of his global purpose to make his glory known among all nations. Last question. Are we praying? I hope so. Are we praying for mission? I hope so. The last question is this. Are we living out what we are praying for? Are you living out what you're praying for? John Owen once wrote, He who prays as he ought will endeavor to live as he prays. So for praying about the things we ought to be praying about, in the way we ought to be praying about those things, it will change the way we live as well. Not only just, it doesn't just change the way we uh, pray, it also changes the way we act. I've mentioned Luke 
10 a couple of times. Let me mention it one more time. After Jesus told his disciples to, to pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into his harvest. He calls them to pray that the Lord would do that in verse 2. If you go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 3, what does Jesus say to them next? Go. I'm sending you. So pray for mission and go on mission as well. See the opportunity that is right in front of you. If we are praying for mission, surely we ought to be living on mission where we are. It would be hypocritical, surely, for us to be praying uh, for the boldness of others in other parts of the world when we have no desire for that where we are now. So Paul, having asked this church to pray for the advance of the gospel in another place, points them to the advance of the gospel among those who are around them, or the opportunity for that, certainly. He speaks about those who are outside the faith. I don't think it's any uh, there's any coincidence that he moves from speaking about uh, how they should pray for him to make Christ known where he is to saying what he says next when he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Those, that's those who are outside the faith, outside the church making the best use of the time. Uh, the, the, the phrase, make the best use of the time, gives, gives the idea of making the most of their opportunity. It literally means buying up the time that they have there. It's like a kind of flash sale on, online or, or in a shop somewhere where you've got a, a limited time to buy something. Uh, I've, I've got a, I've got a Kindle and there's these Kindle daily deals that go up where you got 24 hours where there's, you know, Kindle books that'll be really cheap. And I, and I know I've got to buy it up or I've got way too many. I've got four more than I actually read, but, but it's there and you've got a limited time and you, you go for it. And Paul's saying you've got this window of opportunity with the people that are around you who don't know the Lord. Buy up that opportunity. Are you keeping an eye out to make Christ known where you are? He shows them how to do this. He says, make Christ known in in these two ways, in your walk and in your words. So your walk, live in a way that commends Christ to others. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. So I have to ask myself, am I seeking the Lord for wisdom in making Christ known to others? You know, wisdom like Thanksgiving is a big theme right through Colossians. You know, we, we, we need a kind of spiritual wisdom that only God can give, showing us what is pleasing to him, showing us how to live in a way that's pleasing to him. That's in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. In chapter 2 and verse 3, we see that all the wisdom that we need to, to live a life that is pleasing to God has been given to us in Christ. So we see to walk in wisdom is to walk in Christ. It's to live a life of Christ likeness. So walking with Christ is where we receive the wisdom that we need for being his witnesses as well. And as we walk with Christ and as we, as we grow in his likeness, that is a witness in itself. But to use the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. Does the way you live commend Christ to others? Is there something distinctive about your life? It should be seen not just in our walk, how we live, but also our words as well. So are we speaking in ways that commend Christ to others? So that's what he he says here. Let your speech 
Always be gracious. So is your speech full of grace? So if we're going to be commending the gospel of grace, surely we should be a people known for our graciousness. And this should come out uh, in generally how we speak to others and particularly how we speak about Christ to others as well. It's not just about winning the argument. It's about winning people, showing grace. We speak the truth, but we do so in grace. So full of grace, but not only full of grace, also seasoned with salt, it says here. So the idea here is to be thought-provoking in your conversations with others. You know, like, like salt, speaking about Jesus to others may provoke thirst. It may lead to an open door for you to share further. When that happened, it may very well take the form of questions that people have. So we see, lastly, it says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we should be ready to give an answer when people ask us. That doesn't mean that we need to have a a kind of definitive answer for the kind of top 50 gotcha questions that somebody might ask you before you say anything to anybody about the Lord. No, we. but but it does show us that we need to engage with people where they are at. As we speak to people about the Lord and and we, we, we find that there is more interest, we need to be willing to explore their questions with them, be they intellectual questions or personal questions, and be ready to share more about Christ with them. But just in an overarching sense, what, what do we see here in, in these final couple of verses? We see that there's an assumption that we're going to be in, in relationships with unbelievers, with non-Christians. So can that be said of you? It's easy to get in a kind of Christian bubble, isn't it? Are we in relationship with unbelievers? And in those relationships, are we speaking freely about the Lord in a way that commends him to others? You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. Just to tie this back into this kind of theme of prayer. If we're people who are spending time with the Lord in prayer, and we are attentive to him and his His grace and what he is doing in the world, if, if he is the one who fills our thoughts and nothing is more important to us than him, then we won't be able to help but speak about this one that we're spending our day with praying steadfastly with attentiveness and thanksgiving, praying for his work around the world and looking for opportunities to be involved in it right where we are. The mission isn't about us. It's about the Lord. It's about his glory in all the earth. And when we pray, we're acknowledging that this is his work. We're asking him to do what only he can do. So may the Lord help us to do just that by his grace and for his glory. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful privilege that we have to come to you uh, in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that though we've sinned against you, that Jesus died for our sins and he rose again and he did so to bring us to you. Thank you that we can come to you in his name, knowing uh, that you are ready to hear us and welcome uh, us uh, in prayer. But Lord, we thank you also that not only in Jesus we have access to you in prayer, but Lord, we thank you that in him we have all that we need in order to be faithful in prayer as well. And so Lord, I pray that you would, uh, that you would 
work in our hearts this, this, this wonderful work of prayer. Lord, that you would help us to be steadfast. Lord, that you would help us to be attentive to you. That you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving for what you are doing. And Lord, I pray that you would use us uh, in prayer uh, to be involved in your work all over this world. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in praying for uh, your work of global mission. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that you'd use us to make Christ known right where we are. We ask all this in his name. Amen.